Hey, it's John Williams. If your home struggled to stay warm this winter, then you know it's going to be hot this summer. Maybe it's those old leaky windows and doors. Call Next Door and Window, the company we hired. Right now, you'll get buy one, get one 30% off, plus 18 months of interest-free financing. So call 1-800-NEXT-DOOR right now. That's 1-800-NEXT-DOOR or go to 1-800-NEXTDOOR.COM. Game over, man. We are finished. Over? Yes. Did you say over? Definitely. Podcast. Okay, John. today disappointed in our season. You know, obviously, we expect more from ourselves, from our team. We didn't hit the goals we set out to achieve. The next four to five months are about hard decisions, real honest assessment of our roster, and our entire football operations. WGN Radio presents Hogan Johns. What time is it? This season was about regression, inconsistencies in way too many areas. It's about time somebody finally came out and said it. We have to learn from our failures. We have to make the right decisions going forward. Good luck. You're going to need it. With WGN's Adam Hogue. Good luck with your foosball. Game over. We are over. And from The Athletic, Adam Johns. Stick a fork in me. We are done. The extreme confidence in our head coach and the leader of our team and Matt Nagy. And together, we'll work hard on solutions for the Chicago Bears. Here they are. What's up? Welcome in. What was that? I'm not exactly sure. But hey, the season's over. This podcast is not. Happy New Year. It is uh, Happy New Year time. Bless you. Went to the University of Wisconsin. <laughs> but other than that, looked all right for a little bit. Great start in 2020. Yeah the world it's been sunny for two straight days which is different it's supposed to have 50 today here in chicago it is oh i'm gonna need to go outside then at some point happy new year guys that's right well it's been an interesting few days some movement on the coaching front that we were juggling two days ago after we recorded a podcast and then had to change the podcast and then they went out and hired an offensive line coach just like that yeah fast we did juggle that actually quite well I thought so, especially because we were also trying to juggle like New Year's. Yeah, and it had, had to be places, mm-hmm. so that was good. Uh, welcome in Hogan Johns. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue H O G E at Adam Johns J A H N S. We are in our missing Joe Romano formation today, but uh, thanks to Ernie Scatton for another good open, and he's. Such a good, valuable part of this podcast. Both of those guys are. And in the new year, we thank them for everything they did in 2019. And we thank all your li- all of our listeners, too, for hanging with us, the changes to the podcast this year. Those of you that subscribed to The Athletic, that's where you'll find the podcast from Tuesday. Hopefully you went and checked that out with the, our immediate reaction to the Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy press conferences, as well as very immediate reaction to... The coaching moves that were made. The amended podcast. Yes. Yes. The edited, amended. Yes. It works. Both work. It, it works. Um, we had this planned all week, but we just want to take a couple days, enjoy the new year, let everything soak in a little bit and marinate. And now we're back with some more thoughts. We're going to bring you some uh, some other things from the podcast that maybe, or I'm sorry, the press conference the other day that were maybe not top of mind uh, with all the Mitch Trubisky talk, although we do, of course, have some of that as well. And you wrote a story today on The Athletic on Mitch Trubisky. I did. Go figure. I write about that guy a lot, I feel like. We'll have more. Yes. Yeah, so what was the headline? Where things went wrong 
with Mr. Biscay and how the Bears plan to fix it. Yeah, I think I have it up here. That was pretty good, though. You remembered your headline. Yes. Solid work by you. Um, all right. Where should we start today? I was kind of thinking we we start with the newsiest of news. Isn't that newsiest of news? The newsiest of news? Yeah. That makes sense. Man, we were just full of... <laughs> I'm waiting for you to hit the, your, your dancing with your, your verbiage. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, there it is. We won this game tonight. Adam Hall will be rhetorically dancing in the, with his verbiage. Two outs. There's Luke Boyd <laughs> pinch batting. <laughs> gotta love Farmio. Farmio's gotta be excited right now. Right as we started the podcast, Luis Robert locked up. Six-year contract. He'll be there on opening day. Meanwhile, our pre-podcast discussion was me relaying my disappointment upon learning a couple years ago that his last name is not pronounced Robert. No, it's Robert. You can't trust a man with two first names. I get it all the time. Yeah, he is a... Yeah, you... and, and in his cases, like John's is a last name. Robert is a first name. That's true. Yeah, no one's first name is John's. No. John. Yes. Not John's. Correct. Well, the uh, name of the new Bears offensive line coach is Juan. Juan. Castillo. Castillo. That's a first and last name. How many Castillos do you know? Not a first. Nobody named first. Yeah, nobody with a first name Castillo. I said it's a first name. Oh, first and last name. Okay. Okay. I thought you said double first name. All right. I'm still stuck in Luis Robert's world. Well, this was a quick move by Matt Nagy. Clearly had his guy, went out and got him. Juan Castillo's been around for a long time. Was the Eagles offensive line coach for 12 years, which you don't just, you don't see that anymore. No, it's a lot. It's longevity. And then there. Worked with Andy Reid. Worked with Matt Nagy. Right. A very rare. Move. He became the defensive coordinator after all that. Yeah, his last two years in Philadelphia. It's odd. Is it? It is odd. Now you see like interesting backgrounds and coaches, guys who are tight ends coaches who become offensive coordinators, who go back to quarterbacks coaches. You have that from position to position, but to go from one side of the ball to the other side of the ball, like I get why you took the Chuck Pagano every now and then to help you figure things out offensively. But you don't make him your offensive line coach. It's just interesting end well, there to Castillo's You see it sometimes Philly. like from position to position. Yeah, that's what I mean. You know, like I, I'm, I'm on one side of the ball. No, I'm saying sometimes you'll cross, but it'll be position coaches. Northwestern had an assistant uh, two years ago that went from coaching the running backs to the secondary. It, but those are two position jobs. I don't, you don't usually see a, like an offensive line coach all of a sudden become defensive coordinator. Yeah. Coordinator. Like in charge. Yeah, that that's rare to see for sure. So um, anyway, that didn't last long. And then he went to Baltimore and was the um, the Ravens run game coordinator. For three years. So obviously has a history with run the run game, which is what a lot of these moves right now are based off of that we, you should be keeping in mind. I, I don't think the Bears lost any respect for a Harry Heastan. I just think this is more schematic. Do you not? Like, eventually, like when Matt Nagy filled out his staff, he had to teach a lot of these guys what he wanted to do. And that included Harry Heastan. Even though he's been around for a long time, he's, he's put a lot of great linemen in from Notre Dame. He was the Bears offensive line coach here before. Completely different scheme under Lovey Smith offensively. 
as the former players could attest to on, on online. It's now now Matt Nagy doesn't always have to fill out his staff with his guys, um, but I think him trying not to fill it out with his guys, and sometimes it takes a, a certain time to to get to that point. Um, I, I think this this is just where we are. Look, he tried the Mark Helfrich route, who was in charge of the running game. Harry Heastan obviously is very involved in the running game just because of the position he coaches. It just didn't work. It didn't make any sense to didn't make much sense to make changes after the 12-4 and four season. But this gives Matt Nagy an opportunity to shift things around, find guys that are more in line with the way he wants to do things offensively, make the changes he needs. Yeah, and I think that, um, you know, I, I give Nagy credit that he was open-minded when he made out a staff, you know, with guys that... Wait, wait, you almost have to be, though. Yeah. If you're a first-time head coach, mm-hmm. the guy that you're... The, the staff that you're coming from, your old... Your mentor, Andy Reid, is not allowing you to take anybody I with know. him. That's why Mark DeLeon's notable, because that was the first Chiefs hire, Chiefs-related hire by Matt Nagy. Everyone else had to come from elsewhere. So <clears throat> change could be good in a sense right now. I'm trying to be optimistic about this, but I think it's one way to look at it. Yeah. Um, I So now the question I, – I was a little surprised they went out and hired an offensive line coach right away without knowing who the offensive coordinator would well, be. Okay, Matt Nagy's the offensive well, coordinator. Well, that's true. But yes. That's true. But, you know, if you hire two guys that are, like, intertwined and know each other, work together, you know, something like that. But obviously he had his guy that he wanted to go get, and he got him. Yes, yes. You know what? You know, the Bears, at this point, what time is it? 12.35 on – Thursday? It's Thursday, right? Yes. I'm losing track of my days. They have not announced the Wonk Steel hiring. Sure. It's could be possible there's a different type of title there other than offensive line coach. You know, he did have run game coordinator in previous stops. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but anything's possible right now for the well, Bears. Well, sometimes you see things like um, one guy's passing game coordinator, one guy's run game coordinator. Yes. And Matt Nagy, obviously, is a passing game coordinator. Dave Ragone has his fingerprints all over that as well. Mike Fury, a well-respected... Uh, I mean, that's a Matt Nagy guy, actually. Mike, yeah. Yes. Yeah, they go that, that's a Matt Nagy guy. We should make that clear. He does have guys in the staff that, from the get-go, were Matt Nagy guys. Yeah, but, Mike Fury was one of them. But he still had to... It's not like they've been working together for 15 years. Right. You know, there was a separation there. Um, but there's trust. He likes what he's doing with certain receivers. So... You know, his fingerprints all are all over the passing game. So, just saying, just throwing it out there. Now, I, I think Castillo may need some help. I think Dominic Rayola is still on the staff, is he not? Yeah. We'll see what happens. Um, so, now the question goes to who will be the offensive coordinator. And I may regret saying this because... We got we we kind of screwed ourselves Tuesday by saying this, but I kind of expect this Johns to to maybe play out a little bit longer. Um, it we I guess at this point we don't necessarily know who the targets are, but there are some dominoes around the league that may need to fall. Yes. Um. And, and look, people, the Pat Shermer linkage, you know, being linked to Pat Shermer right away, of course. That's an obvious. Well, that's just connecting dots. Yes, it's connecting dots. Yeah. But to this point, again, twelve thirty-five on a Thursday, the buzz just hasn't been there, as opposed to some of the things we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we talked in 
the pre-podcast before we started recording is that, you know what? Like you said, Pat Shermer has three years left. He's still getting paid, is he not? Yes. The man could use a break. Yeah, maybe he does the Mike McCarthy route. And, you know, takes a year off and... I don't know, builds a bunker and has that farm hire, and hire, hires a coaching staff. <laughs> yeah, hires a coaching staff, not a team. And which, which is, I guess, cool. Can I go off on a quick tangent on that, by yeah, the way? Yeah, go for it. Because I listened to, first of all, when I read the McCarthy stuff, I was, like, impressed by it. You know, I, I was impressed by his dedication and and willingness to adapt and the fact he went to the lengths of hiring coaches to come in and help him. I listened to the Peter King podcast where he was on for like 30 minutes explaining all this. They recorded it at his house, bunker, which sounds impressive as hell. They built a farm, like they turned a farm into this massive place that has a full court basketball. By full court, like the, the University of Green Bay practiced there before the NCAA tournament. Really? Because they wanted to get out of their own gym because they knew they were going to have to practice on the road during the tournament. Let's go to Mike McCarthy's So house. they went to Mike McCarthy's What's up, house. Mike? That's how big this gym is. You got some brats for us? The thing's fascinating. I recommend listening to it. But there was one thing I kept getting back to. So the whole point of all this is he's, try, he's trying to make it clear that he's willing to adapt. And then anytime the conversation went back to what went wrong in Green Bay, he took no responsibility for it. Like, he would not accept that he his offense got stale, and yet here he is trying to learn all these new concepts. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, dude, this would sound better if you just admitted that, yeah, over, uh, what was it, 12 years that he was there? We didn't adjust. We didn't adapt, and I had a falling out with my quarterback. So I'm just like, you can't accept any responsibility? I don't know. So he's he's all over the coaching circuit right now. I think the... The pairing with Elliot Wolf in Cleveland would make sense. Because, let me make it clear, I don't think Mike McCarthy is at the top of NFL coaches right now. Um, and one thing he needs to answer is why the Packers went 13-3 and as soon as he left. That doesn't look great for him. No. I do think there are some underlying issues there. That Well, you know, the defense also significantly improved. Well, that's the thing. Um, if you actually look at the Packers' offense, now we're getting on a real tangent. But they aren't actually better than they were last year. They really aren't. Their, their improvements have come more on the defensive side of the football, and I think some other things that just in the NFL tend to fall in the line sometimes. Yeah. The schedule, certain, certain things like that, and they're, here they are, they're 13-3. and three. Anyway, I do like McCarthy and Cleveland partially because I think the Browns have dug themselves such a hole right now with wanting... Who would want to go coach them? Oh, my gosh. You, yeah. Yeah. They've just you know they're fired they're firing everybody so like why would you it's not a stable job so that pairing you know Mike McCarthy's not gonna have a lot of options that might make sense uh, and then the Elliott Wolf connection he was in Green Bay before they worked together that's the type of pairing I think the Browns are looking for right now so I think that makes sense feel uh, better I do I do I don't remember what nah, we're what were we talking about I have no idea. Run game well, coordinating? Well, Offensive okay. game coordinating? Well, let me go back to a name. Oh, we were talking about Pat Shermer. The, I'm going to go back to a name that I remember bringing up in the middle of the season. And that is Mike Kafka. Yep. Who is the quarterback coach in Kansas City right now. And I have a little bit of history with him because he was on Northwestern staff uh, early on the first couple years, I think. I forget if it was one or two years while I was doing sidelines with Northwestern. And I saw him work very, very closely with Clayton Thorson 
uh, and Northwestern's quarterbacks. And you could tell, you know how some guys just give off this vibe right away? Like, you just know that they're, they're going to be a good coach. I think Matt Nagy. I mean, isn't that what everyone said about yeah. Matt Nagy when they, when, you know, when he came here to Chicago? It was like, you talked to the guys in Philadelphia a decade ago. They were like, they knew it. Mike Kafka came off that way immediately uh, when he was on Northwestern staff. Then he gets in the league, ends up in a great spot with Andy Reid, worked with Matt Nagy um, when they had Patrick Mahomes together, that rookie season for Patrick Mahomes. So there's a history there. And I do think Mike Kafka is a kind of a rising star in in the NFL right now and could be a great guy to bring in, give him the bump to OC. Now he's working with Trubisky. Um, I just think a lot of that makes sense. The question, though, is this is what I mean by dominoes falling across the league. Eric Bieniemy is the offense coordinator right now in Kansas City, and he's getting job interviews. I think he's interviewing with the Panthers today. Yeah, I'm trying to pull it tomorrow. up tomorrow. Right Next couple days, he's going to be interviewing with the Panthers. That's not going to be his only interview. And so, um, you know, you might not necessarily have to leave Kansas City to get a bump if you're Mike Kafka because you could just take the enemy's job. Yeah, and look, it's my understanding that Kafka's contract is expiring. That's huge. Which is huge because Andy Reid, again, has been resistant in allowing his his pupils, his, his coaching tree to take other parts of that tree with him, with them. Uh, that was a problem for Matt Nagy a couple of years ago. That's why you have hirings like Mark Helfrich and Harry Heastan. But you're right. The enemy domino needs to fall. He is being praised right now a lot in, in the media. He's got a little. He's got some buzz going, and who doesn't after what Patrick Mahomes has done the past couple of years? If you're Mike Kafka, yes, you got St. Rita roots, Southside Chicago. You have Northwestern roots. You could see the draw of coming home, right? Mm-hmm. But professionally, as much as you love you some Matt Nagy, who would you rather work with? Who would you rather link your career with? Patrick Mahomes or Mitch Trubisky? Yeah. Uh, there's also just sort of the reality of any coach that's checking out potential jobs. What's the, what's the more stable situation right now? You know, That's what I mean, yeah. re-upping with the Chiefs, where Andy Reid's not going anywhere anytime soon. My prediction right now is that a year from now, the Bears are going to still be competitive and these guys aren't going anywhere. But if you're objectively looking at a job that you want to take and a move that you want to make, you do have to prepare yourself for maybe the, the chance that if things f- went completely the wrong direction next year, that changes could be on the way. Yeah, yeah. Again... Again, Mahomes or Trubisky? Yeah. And I get that these, you call him a riser. He's got a lot of buzz in certain league circles. He'd get another chance. I'm sure he would. But a decision right now, as young as he is, who do you want? You want to stay with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes? Or do you want to come home with Matt Nagy Figured this thing out with Mitch Trubisky and whomever they bring in to compete with him. Especially when you consider the last two guys that held that OC job. One got hired by the Bears. If the enemy gets hired by another team as head coaches, well, just get in line. 
your next it's, kid. Yeah, you know. So um, that that all makes a lot of sense there. But that's just you know co- sort of the situation there with Mike Kafka. I should just to clarify, he so he was drafted by the uh, Eagles in the fourth round back in 2010. So that's the Andy Reid Matt Nagy connection there with Mike Kafka. Um. He had like a really good run, at least a couple of games, did he not? Yeah, he, like he was running all over the place. He was making plays. I kind of vividly remember. Was it like one of them a primetime game? Had to be. So he, uh, mainly the third string quarterback behind Michael Vick, Kevin Cobb, Vince Young. Then he played. Yeah, I don't know. He just had a couple of games there where I think he ended up playing. But the point is, for the most part, he bounced around as a backup, and he was on a whole bunch of different teams, the Patriots, Jaguars, Bucks, Vikings, Titans, Bengals. A lot of those were just off-seasons. So anyway, in 2016, Pat Fitzgerald brings him back to Northwestern. He's a graduate assistant for one year. That's the season he worked with Northwestern's quarterbacks. Gets hired in Kansas City immediately following that as an offensive quality control coach, and after just one season was made the quarterback's coach. So you see a guy go from not playing to graduate assistant to quality control to QB coach just like that. I mean, that's a pretty quick rise for some of these guys who spend multiple years as you know doing the grunt work behind the yeah. scenes. But it's also another point about the dominoes. Mm-hmm. Doug Peterson yep. leaves. Matt Nagy goes up. Matt Nagy's job is filled by the guy behind him, which is Mike Kafka. Matt Nagy leaves. Now they promoted their running backs coach, Eric Bieniemy into that mm-hmm. spot. But again, Domino's fall. Success brings interest, and those coaches leave. Yeah. So anyway, that's just a name to keep in mind and uh, a reason to maybe watch the Bieniemy situation closely. Uh, remember, they still got a playoff game next week. So they, he can interview this week. Then next week he can't. They have a playoff game if they win. He can't interview again until the Chiefs are out. So um, that's just sort of how this works and why this might take a little bit. Or we could get done with this podcast in about 20, 30 minutes, and then they could hire somebody like 10 minutes after that. Yeah, this is how <laughs> fluid things are, and it happens. He'll call me on my ride back into the city. Yep. Like, all right. I need to amend this one again, Adam. Here we go. Fine. Um. All right. Should we get to stuff from the press conference? Yes, yes. Where do you want to start? Um, I think it was good that we took a couple days on this. Yes. I think some of the rapid reaction, we're just like, relax. Look, I know what they're saying, but you got to like look beyond what they're saying at these things. I, I found it interesting how that sort of evolved over the last 24, 48 hours, too, like even in the media. Yeah. Like I think Potsy wrote something like that. Uh Dan Pompey wrote something like that on The Athletic. Yeah. Uh, I've been working on this Trubisky piece. It's just like, exhale. The one thing I've said about Ryan Pace from the start, and I keep going back to this, it's not every time, but for the most part, his moves are usually in line with what everyone else is thinking. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like where Phil Emery might go out and do some crazy thing, you're like, what? Ryan Pace has made mostly, to my, to in my belief, common sense moves. Well, now, that has, I think, been stretched a little bit with the Trubisky trade up. Yeah. Okay. And 
the Khalil Mack trade. I mean, they needed him, but it's still the fact that it happened. That was surprising. But for the most part, I feel like all of his moves have been measured. And when there's something that's obvious to like the common football viewer that needs to be fixed, there's moves there to be made. Um, well, even looking back at the Drabisky selection, you had the number three overall pick. Of course, quarterback is on the agenda there. Like It, it has to be considered because you don't know if you're ever going to select that high again. Well, remember that offseason, they moved on from Cutler. Everyone knew they needed a quarterback. Yes. The only reason that changed was because then they went and signed Mike Glennon. Which we learned later was part of just... They were giving us... It was a swing... But it was also a ruse, in a sense. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, like they still identified Trubisky at that point. Like, but the, the the whole idea of selecting a quarterback that that high should not have been surprising. Like, it, this is like maybe your one and only opportunity to do so. Being this high, you failed to move up for Wentz. You failed to move up for Mariota. Just wasn't possible with in what terms what they were asking. But at three, you had some considerations, serious considerations there. So sorry, I go on. No, go on. I just and, and so. And I want to make it clear, I'm not saying every move has been made like that, but the majority of them have. So the reason I bring that up is because everybody has seen the games. Everybody has seen what Trubisky has done through three years. Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy are not blind to it. They they understand the limitations and strengths of the quarterback more than anybody. They're not just looking at things through their own glasses, you know, Bears glasses because, you know, they're that's his quarterback. And remember, even more so, Nagy didn't draft this guy. But I also think Pace has shown a track record to not make emotional decisions really. Do you disagree? Well, I think there's always emotion. A in little decisions. bit. But I, I, I know what you're saying. I, I don't think... What I'm saying is I don't think he's blind to Trubisky's struggles just because his job's on the line with the pick or because... I. For, by the way, I fully understand those that are convinced of that. Yeah. You know, if, if anything, his track record shows that he's willing to trust coaches and, and in terms of what they want in terms of making cutthroat decisions where things need to be changed. Like, even, like, when he started cleaning house of Hallisaw. Like, the rabbit gold move will always stand out to me because Jeff Rogers and John Fox wanted to move on. Mm -hmm. And Ryan Pace listened to him. Now, he probably should not have, but he was listening to his new head coach, his new offensive or special teams coordinator. He gave him a chance. Like, those guys weren't going anywhere. Clear some salary, get rid of your kicker. Obviously, it's a regrettable one, but there has been some bold, you know, Cost-cutting, cutthroat moves made over the, the Ryan Pace era. Brandon Marshall traded. Alshon Jeffrey, gone. You know, like, Matt Forte, see you later. It's not easy. Now, there's emotion in all those. There has to be. Still productive, good players. I get what you're getting at. Now, those, well, those, may, those may be bad examples, but I, I think I'm trying to get to the point where I feel like this front office could to use their words, maybe be more honest than people will give them credit for and move on, or at least change that quarterback's room, which we all expect them to do, to give themselves a better shot for 2020. Well, and that's what I'm saying, is I just, I don't think that this thing is going to end with zero competition for Mitch and them kind of blindly going into 2020 just expecting him to be better. Yeah, this is not ending 
with Chase Daniel and Tyler Bray returning. That's what like I just feel like so many people reacted to what we said on Tuesday with like Mitch is our starter. This is what we're doing. We still love this guy. We still expect him to be great. That may have been kind of what was said. By the way, it wasn't. If you go back and listen to it, they they were and we're going to play some of this here. They were critical of the quarterback. Plenty critical, I thought. So they just not they're not going to come out and say, "Yeah, we're in the market for a quarterback." Cuz I don't think that helps the current quarterback and it also tips your hand in free agency and the draft. Yeah. And to that he actually hinted at it a couple of times. He mentioned Chase Daniel being a free agent three times. Yeah. We're going to evaluate that too. How about Chase Daniel hosting Mike and Mike tomorrow? Yeah, I, I keep calling him Mike and Mike. It's Golik and Wingo. And, but he's hosting that show tomorrow. Hold on. Knocked out my headphones. Yeah, but your cord just... Yeah, I, I hate it when that happens. Um, John says to readjust his headset here. Okay. So with all that said... I just want people to understand that there still probably will be changes in that quarterback room in some type of competition. I and I I know we're getting way ahead of ourselves right now. Like I could see them using a second round pick on a quarterback. Multiple swings. If there's anything I learned about Pace like that year, he always talks about always taking swings is the most important position in the world. Like like Hal Barkish. Ask him again, what happened to your philosophy? I'm a drafting guy every year. Well, sometimes yep. the things don't flow that way. Maybe your, your swing is bringing in a veteran early on. I think you're going to see multiple swings this year. Draft pick and some considerable money thrown at a free agent. I don't know who that free agent is going to be, but it's not going to be Chase Daniel or Tyler Bray. Because here's the thing. If they, if they don't take more swings and they just set themselves up for a possible situation where if Trubisky struggles again in 2020, now you don't have anything. And now, at this point... Th- 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 that, that then, if that's the scenario that plays out, that in the NFL would be a fireball offense. Yeah. Okay? That's, again, though, I go back to these... Mostly, most of these times when there's something so obvious like this, and common sense is involved. Like Mike Davis? Releasing Mike Davis? Yes. Get yourself a compensatory pick? They did it, and everyone remember how how up in arms everybody was that week. Like, but they did it. How about this? Seeing that Kyle Long wasn't the same player, and almost coming to the conclusion that he's never going to be the same player again. Got some nagging things. Let's pull the cord. Yeah, they did that in the middle of the year this year. So again, the point is, wait and see what the actions are this off season. And I'll tell you what, if they go to Bourbonnet and it's Mitch Trubisky and Chase Daniel or somebody who's just Chase Daniel's level and that's it, all right, I'll be the first to call them out for it. Yeah. I just, I don't expect that to be the case here. And, and here's the thing, like, free agency can be very unpredictable. The negotiations can be erratic and volatile, like the, the Mike Glennon stuff, like, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were willing to make him the highest paid backup in the league. Yeah. That changes conversations. We'll see how things play out. Like, are, do you really want to commit $10 million a year to like a Teddy Bridgewater? Can you pull off a trade for a Nick Foles? Like, what's that going to cost? You know, the Mike Glennon thing is a perfect example, too, because I'll never forget being, you know, in that Marriott complex in Indianapolis. The first time that kind of surfaced, the Bears were interested in Mike Lennon. 
And I think we recorded a podcast in the hotel that day, and I was like, livid. Like, yeah. Like, this is your quarterback move? This can't possibly be your quarterback move. It absolutely cannot be. Fast forward a couple months, they draft Mitch Trubisky. You know what I mean? There's your quarterback move. Perfect example of the this this regime has had common sense. Now I understand why somebody listening to this right now is go, well, then why'd they do it? Well, they did it because they're taking a swing, and they knew they didn't want Trubisky starting. That was a slim year for. Free agent yeah. quarterbacks, if I remember correctly. Well, also going on at that combine that year, I remember was some of the you know back channel negotiations going on with Brian Hoyer's people. Yeah, and that wasn't going well. No, you talk oh, about the cutthroat, yeah. the cutthroat stuff. Yeah, you know, forgot about that. So, yeah, you know, Mike, my, my my Mike Lennon memory is having breakfast with Mark Tressman at the owners' meetings, and Mike Lennon for some reason walks through the lobby and he's there. And Mark Tressman gets up from my breakfast with him. He goes, Adam, there's Mike Lennon. I'll be right back. And then he was gone for like 25 minutes <laughs> talking to Mike Lennon. And that was a year before. That would have been a year before. No, a couple years before. Yes. The Bears actually signed him. Yes. I think that was his draft year. Oh, okay. Or just after what his was draft. Was he doing at the owner? No, I think that was after his draft year. He was in Florida that year. Orlando. The JW Marriott and the Ritz-Carlton attached there. And... Mike Lennon was there. Mark Trussman ran up to him, and my, I ate breakfast for myself for 25 minutes. <laughs> you got stood up yes, because of Mike Lennon. Yes, I did. Yes. Giant fish man. The, the giant fish man. Yeah, that's right. All right. What else? Go ahead. I'm listening. Here's what we want to do. A um, couple things from the press conference the other day. I want to bring back to you. The thing we talked about but didn't play was that Example Matt Nagy gave of Mitch and his decision making going back to week three in the Washington game. Uh, here's that clip, and then we'll react to it. But uh, here's some of that decision making stuff that Matt Nagy's talking about with his quarterback. There's some plays that he understands as we went through this deal that he can be better at. Maybe put us in a situation. Here's an, for example, you go to the to the the Redskins game um, at the the. Uh, Really, the start of the third quarter, we had a we had a scenario there where we can really get a nice big lead on those guys, and we made a decision to to on a certain play to check the ball down. I can say this to you because he knows this, and I think for y'all to understand the growth of him understanding how we think in that moment when we have a nice big lead to to get to a situation to end the game, and and we didn't in that scenario early in the season. As the season went on. He grew from those, and there's times where, like I said, a, a touchdown to check down mentality where he, he did that. And I think that's the growth as we go here in seeing um, those type of scenarios uh, that we're learning. I could go on and on with different scenarios, but that's just one for you all to understand. Are you talking about the interception? No, I'm talking about one. It was a uh, check down to Trey Burton on a third and 12, I think, the start of the third quarter. we were I think we were up 28-ish points. And... Uh, we, we, we had an opportunity for a touchdown pass, and we checked it down. He knows that. That's growth. That's, he's not the first quarterback in the history of the NFL to make that play. you know. But that's just so you understand, Like those are moments where we're learning to where later on in the year he makes a decision to where, for instance, the other day, uh, what a great play on third and two to make them use their timeouts there to extend the game and try to try to win it with a field goal or a touchdown. And uh, uh, rather than – you know, an incompletion or, or making a decision with a run pass kill. He's learning, you know, and I think that's growth. So I went back and looked at that play against Washington. 
And what it was was Anthony Miller coming open, wheeling around his trips formation to the left. Trubisky almost immediately goes to Burton on the check down. Almost immediately. And there was time in that pocket. Look, the offensive line is going to be different next year. But in this play, and in various instances throughout the year, they had given Trubisky enough time to make certain throws. This was an example. Instead of feeling the coverage, identifying what he was seeing, processing, he checked down immediately instead of seeing Anthony Miller come wide open for what should have been seven points. And the Bears were up 25 points at that time. And as we remember, there was a little threat by the Redskins later in that game. That would have put them away. That was missed. And he threw that interception later in the game. Yes, that's what I mean. Which was a bad throw. The door was open. Yeah. The door was open. So this is an example, as as I went through the season, and Matt Nagy's play calling deserves scrutiny. And it's hard to not get caught up in that when you're seeing the failures like during the game. Like, Why isn't he moving more? The more you see things, the more you, you, you call out examples like this. The more I move to the, oh... This play call was okay. Oh, not only did he miss a throw, he didn't even attempt the throw that he needed to attempt. That's bad. So that gets back to what Matt Nagy also said in this press conference on Tuesday, which is that this offseason, 2020, he wants Mitchell Trubisky to become a master of coverages. I think he's proven... That against man defenses, and he sees it, he can be deadly, quite frankly. The Lions games are an example. When he identifies man coverage and knows it's there, trusts what he's seen, game slows down, mechanics are there, footwork's there, he can be accurate, put the ball where it needs to be, and make big plays. Over and over again, it seems like it's the zone coverages when when defenses drop back when he's not trusting what he's seen, moments like this that we just brought up from Washington. I haven't gone back and looked at the play yet. You did. I'm assuming maybe this was – I'm assuming it was zone coverage or something like that. No, yeah. I actually think it was a version of man. Maybe Because, look, people think they, they hear um, like zone and man, that that's just how it is. You can run zone on one side right, and man on the other. Like These defenses got complex. Like even Matt Nagy mentioned two-man. Two-man yes. is actually – it's a version of zone, like over the top. Mm-hmm. It helps out the man coverage underneath. But and to your point, when I when I really studied the Bears' offense this past offseason, when I was doing that huge piece on Trubisky and going through his entire season, what I learned was there's a lot of plays in this offense where one half of the field's designed to beat zone, one's designed to beat man. Yeah. So this is a complexity of the NFL and why it's so tough on the quarterback, but also where offenses are going these days. Probably some of what Mike McCarthy's studying, bringing that back into the conversation, is, I mean, this constant chess match between offenses and defensive coaches. You know, Nagy has an offense built in here where if it's one thing, you go to one side of the field. If there's another thing, you go to the other. But it's up to the quarterback to see it all. He has to see it pre- and post-snap. I want to say in this play, it was Matt, at least on the Miller side. Because on the Burton side, he got tackled almost immediately for no gain. Well, that would make sense because if he's kind of coming on a wheel, 
um, that, out that, of the trip formation. Means, that, that means there is um, one guy on him that he probably got to step there on. There is traffic to get through to mm-hmm. for those defenders. And I don't recall seeing a single high safety moving in his direction. Yeah. Right? Which happens, you know, like, again, Cutler always had, he was always keying on the single high safety and stuff like that. But, yes, it, turn, it comes down to processing. And, and, and here's the thing, like, in training camp, and I wrote this in my Mitch story today, that the, the Bears liked what they were hearing from Trubisky when he would come back after making an, an interception or even completions. Like, what did you see? And he would tell them, right? But then things got different in the regular season, right? The answers, I don't know if they were the same. At least the results on the field weren't the same as the answers he was, he was giving them. Wasn't that the same game where, like, the cameras caught Nagy? Yelling at him. Yelling at him. Yes. Was that before or after this? Play? I'm not sure. Yeah, I think it was. I, I think the the yelling was before early in the game. Before he threw the three touchdowns. Yes. Yeah. Um, here's Matt Nagy talking about Mitch needing to master coverages this offseason. He's not far, but what we need to do is we need to really hammer through on on in this offseason here, understanding you know the 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 amount of different coverages and different looks that you get from these different coordinators that are out there. And that's not hard. That's just a matter of, of uh, you know, continuing with that commitment of doing it. And then learning how to do it is great. I think that, um, you know, he's, he's, he's right there. It's just a matter of, of doing it and then taking that, too, and, and transferring it to the field with practice and, and games, et cetera. What about his mechanics? Would you like to see him do something maybe differently in the offseason so there's more? Not, not, not mechanic-wise. I'd say, Adam, the biggest thing for him that we can continue to work on is, and, and he'll tell you this. Matter of fact, we were just talking uh, yesterday, last night in the evening a little bit on, on, the, on the season, and um, one of the things that I think that he wants to improve a little bit is a little bit of his footwork in the pocket, uh, a little bit more trust where you're not drifting out. Now, it worked for us on fourth and nine at the end of the game last week, but there's times throughout this year where I think focusing on trusting the center of that pocket – pushing forward, and now he's a running threat. You know, he becomes a runner. So if they want to play two-man or they want to do some different coverages where he can take off with his legs, he can do that. So that'll be mechanics-wise, nothing from from the uh, shoulders up. You know, it's more so just footwork. The other thing with this offense is it's all about timing. So routes are matched with the footwork of, of the quarterback. And so mastering the footwork mechanics of knowing is a guy pressed, is it off, et cetera, that's huge. Trubisky didn't have that this year. All right. Did not have that, to use their words, consistently enough. Well, here's this the year. yeah. Here's the problem, and Nagy referenced this in the press conference. That idea he, they kept talking about in the offseason, coming into this year about going to two o two. This was two o two. Him understanding what defenses were doing to him. Remember that was the conversation, yep. and him seeing it. So the problem is, this is great that this is the goal this offseason, but it's essentially an admission that they're right back to where they started last year. That's the concerning thing. And I think when you look at Mitch's season, honestly, that's as optimistically as you can look at it because he actually regressed Yeah. overall. Yeah. Now, there was, there was a stretch there in the second half of the season, pretty much what I consider to be a six-game stretch, where I thought he looked like a more than adequate NFL starter. Somebody that can make plays for you, win a couple games for you. And unfortunately, though, when you go back to that word consistency, it just wasn't there the whole season. Well, those two games, the Lions, the the game in Detroit and Thanksgiving, Mm -hmm. and the Cowboys game, 
man. You all right, dude? <laughs> John's is out here dying. <laughs> all right, I think I'm alive. What was what was I talking about? You, <sighs> consistency with the quarterback. Yeah, oh, yes, 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 yes. There's a lot of people across the league who think, it, like, you see throwing fundamentals and people like, oh, his arm and all that. A lot of people think it's the hips down. Yeah. You know, the timing, stepping up in the pocket. You have more velocity in your throws. A lot of people think it improves accuracy with your throws. Like Drew Brees, perfect fundamentals. Tom Brady, relentless in his fundamentals. Like, you see Dak Prescott do that funny dance. It's all about fundamentals, getting his hips around. Yep. I think there needs to be a point of emphasis on that with Trubisky this year. Among the, the mastering of coverages, master those feet. Get yourself in order so you don't keep reverting back to these bad fundamentals. When you have a guy open, you're not throwing off the back of your foot and lofting throws. Yeah. No, it's, uh, I, I think that that shows up on tape, and this goes back to not only just the footwork of getting the throw off, but you heard Nagy talking there about the footwork and the, the timing and the rhythm of the offense yeah. and the yeah. routes that are being run. It's just a complicated offense. It just is. and But they got to figure it out. It goes back to the question I kept bringing up the last couple of weeks. Either this quarterback needs to figure it out, or they need to change the offense. Yeah, yeah. Or they need to find a different quarterback to do it. That's that's what I think. You're looking at some type of combination of both. Yeah, because you can't just completely throw out what you are. You put too much time into this I teaching agree. everybody. Yeah, but you need to find what works. All right. Well, the other thing they got to do this off season is definitely fix the tight end spot. Whether that's get Trey Burton's hip fixed. Or bring in another thing. This is probably a combination of a few things. So, the part of the news that came out in this press conference is that Trey Burton needs hip surgery. And they think it is connected to all, you know, the groin, the, you could sing the whole song. Yeah, you know, you know? I, <laughs> when, when they were saying that yesterday, I could not, like, like the I hip got bones kids connected, connected to, to the, the thigh bone, whatever it is. <laughs> like, I kept thinking, like, hearing that, I'm like, oh, it's this poor guy. You yeah. know, like, they wrote this song about him, or, or, or he just fits it perfectly. But, yes, yeah. to quote our best friend, John Fox, again, the best ability is availability, and they can't trust Trey Burton right now. Or Adam Shaheen. Yeah. So this is uh, Ryan Pace talking about his tight end situation, starting with Trey Burton. It's just you know he's coming back. We're bringing him back at the, hopefully at the right pace. It, it never he never quite felt right. You know he never felt quite felt full speed to us. So being thorough with it, second opinions, other doctors working with his agent, working with us, our trainers. Uh, this is something we're hoping is the underlying issue. You know, that, and yet it. This is a different area where he had the surgery. It's on his hip. It's on his labrum. Um, and we're hoping that that's, that's going to solve it. You know? Is there an error in rushing him back for camp? I, I, no, we don't think so. You know, we don't think so. This was just injuries, uh, especially with him, it was, it was a fluid process. Like what, what's happening and just working together with him through all that. And so we're optimistic. This is what it is. And we're going to see a benefit from it. Hopefully we've solved it. We all know the type of player he can be when he's healthy. And we're optimistic that this hopefully fixed it. Ryan, given given that Trey's availability is now an issue for you, how does that affect your plans for the position going forward? Yeah, you know, Dan, I think availability uh, really with both of our tight ends. Let's be real, with with Trey and Adam, not having those guys really hurt our offense. You know, Matt talks about all the time the importance of the tight end position to our offense. We lost two tight ends this year. 
But we have to be honest with ourselves. You know, availability is, is critical in our league. So we have to protect ourselves as a franchise, too. So that's something we'll look at. You know, we like those guys. They're talented. Um, but we need availability at the position as well. Right. Back to Mitch. So Shaheen's talented. I think what's hurt his, what hurt, what has hurt his development, especially being raw small school, is just the time he's missed. You know, um, when he's played, we've liked what we've seen. He just hasn't put it out there long enough. So he knows that. We've talked to him about that. He's frustrated. We're frustrated. He needs to stay healthy to continue to develop as a young player. So you see, you see Shaheen at least with the team at training camp next year, trying to win a job. Yeah, I mean, he's under contract, so he's just going to have to work through it. Yep. All right, three quick things. One, let's just not forget that Shaheen was inactive before he went out. Correct. See, he was benched. Yes. All right, it's not just about the injury. All right, two, how many pictures can you possibly take of two guys sitting at a podium? For 30 <laughs> oh, yeah, yes. There was two photographers there, I believe, and it was just nonstop, which I understand you got to get all your... You got to get a job to do. But, but they're not moving. Mm-hmm. It's not like a game where you take pictures of the whole game. They're just sitting there the whole time. Yeah. The worst part about it is like, look, photographers got a job to do. This is a little rant because we just I just experienced this um, in Minnesota. Like, so I sat next to a photographer during the Mr. Trubisky final press conference uh. after the Vikings game, and I did not put my recorder up there. And the entire time, I'm just staring this person down. I'm like, you really got to be taking this many pictures of this guy Who's not doing anything but talking? He's not moving. Here, I'll take my picture. Like, here's my iPhone. Here you go. <laughs> like, okay. Plus, one of the photo tags almost took the TV out in the middle of the presser. Yes, that did happen. Okay, that, that's a little media event there. What's your third point? I think okay. I like this one. The I'm going to enhance this and see if we can go back and listen <laughs> to this. Uh, let's let's uh, listen very closely because I don't. I'm doing this on the fly. I don't know how it's going to sound. Here we go. Right back to Mitch. Back. <laughs> I don't think you can hear it. I heard it. I know what he. I know what he said because I was sitting. So this there. is Chris Emma from Six Seventy. The score getting his his question barked down by another reporter. One more time. We need availability at the position as well. Right back to Mitch. You hear him whispering? Yeah. <laughs> He's. I'm getting my ass kicked. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Chris Emma. So I think that my favorite thing about the Bears media room sometimes, and we've learned to be careful with this, is that it picks up a lot of conversation. Well, our guy Paul Zerang, who's just a talented engineer that I get to work with a lot, especially during White Sox season, built the system. And it's a great system where the micro, there's microphones in the room to pick up, and they're above us, to pick up the questions. And the system is automatically supposed to switch from the podium mics to the crowd mics, essentially. Yes. On its own. Yes. And it does that. But if you listen carefully, like you hear Chris Emma lose out in the showdown. I think it was Pat Finley, the notorious whisperer of questions. Mm -hmm. He lost to that. And Chris whispers. Yeah, because it didn't switch from what was picking up Chris to what was then picking up Pat. Because you can't even hear Pat's question. No, no, no. Because Chris was loud. But he still got beaten. Anyway. What did Chris say? I got my ass kicked. But there's if if, if you listen to <laughs> Well, first of all, it's like the fifteenth time that he, he lost. got he yeah. lost out the battle and he just goes, I'm getting my ass kicked. <laughs> there, are, <laughs> there are other instances where you'll hear other reporters deride other reporters for their questions. Yeah. Like if you if you turn the volume all the way up, because we laugh oh, about this all hear. the time. Yeah. Because you'll you'll hear 
um, certain critical comments being made by those listening to the questions instead of asking the questions. Oh, the life of reporters. Yes, yes, yes. We tried to reach out to the man who died in this pursuit. Uh, they were unavailable for comment. Michael, back. I keep saying that to be a major news. <laughs> At least we're not. You know what? We're not news reporters. Yes. Um, we live in the toy department of life. Yes. It's <laughs> yeah, a great way to put it. Speaking of... I think Mike Greenberg said that once. I want to say I stole that from him. We live in the toy department of life. So I'm going to give him credit for that, okay. even though I'm not entirely sure he said it. Okay. Great reporting by me. Yes. Reach out to the dead guy for comment now. <laughs> Thank you for that quote. Tight ends. They need one. Yes. Don't you think? <laughs> a couple, maybe. Talk about taking you know, multiple swings on a position. But, you know, it speaks to the damage that is done. You know, you can get away with drafting Leonard Floyd number nine and him not becoming a superstar and him just being a good starter on your team. What is impossible to overcome or it really sets you back, is anywhere in the first two rounds, really, of the draft, where you just completely swing and miss. And unfortunately with Adam Shaheen right now, that looks like what's happening. And correct me if I'm wrong, they, yeah, they drafted him actually while John Fox was still that. Yeah, coach. so different era, different evaluation for but a different scheme. when Nagy comes in, that still looked like, I would think, that they still went and got Trey Burton, don't get me wrong, but I could see how they were like, look, we got a good situation here at tight end. We got a guy that was underused in Philadelphia in a similar offense who should be able to step up and catch more passes here. And nobody could have seen the groin thing coming, really. Although he did say that every once in a while popped up on him in his career. Um, but there really was no documented evidence that yeah. it was going to be an issue. And I'll go back to that training camp and those practices in Denver. Yes, before Adam Shaheen got hurt in that game against the Broncos in the preseason, the dude looked great. And it wasn't just us saying it, because I've told this story before, but I was driving around Denver in my rental car, listening to the 1,000 different sports stations they have there, Denver, with <laughs> Radio Row at training camp. On the field. And they were raving about the Bears' tight ends. The, those Broncos reporters and, and radio guys were. Adam Shaheen and Trey Burton were taking it to the Bears or the Broncos' starting defense. They look great. Yes. And I still think Trey Burton's a good player. He's just been dealing with an injury. But it, we're at the point now is can you trust him going forward to be healthy? And I think the answer is no. It'll be a kind of just an added bonus if he is. So you have to protect yourself there. But Adam Shaheen got benched before he went on IR. Yeah. yeah. And it was, quite frankly, it was a little weird how he went on IR. Yes. Because he was just practicing, and then all of a sudden he wasn't. Then he's on a bike with his, his foot starts hurting him. It's just like, okay. It's like the Kyle Long thing. Yeah. Pull the plug. Pull the plug. Now, as people overreacted to Pace's comments about Adam Shaheen, the guy's under contract for next year. Yeah. Is he going to be on the roster for next year? No, but he's still under contract. The only way he's on the roster is if he, you know, has another great preseason where he looks healthy and all of a sudden he looks He's going to have a fabulously fantastic preseason. I agree. Set the bar a little bit higher now for him. You know they're going to take multiple swings to that position. Heck, he could be cut after OTAs, and they'll take another swing on another young guy. I wonder if there's some trade you could pull off there. But they've just exhausted so many of their trade pieces. Yeah. Well, you know what? Eric E. Brown looks like he's going to be a free agent. Austin Hooper looks like he's going to be a free agent. Um, who's the guy in San Diego? Oh, um... 
Hunter Henry. Well, nobody's in San Diego, but... Yeah, okay, yes, yes. Wherever the Chargers play now. Yes, Hunter Henry's good. Yes. he Injury concerns. He could be a free agent. I like the Hooper idea. Hooper. He's a good player, man. That's a spot where they got to spend some money. Significantly. So... All right. Uh, well, that that covered a, a lot of stuff, and that's the facts. That's that's one hundred percent truth. Should we pick some of these games this weekend? Let's do it. There are NFL games that the Bears are unfortunately not involved in, um, but I'm looking forward to f- playoffs. Playoffs. I love the playoffs. I love Saturday Wild Card Weekend. It's fun. Actually, all three weekends are fun. Yeah, the divisional weekend's the best because it has the best games. And you have four, so you still have Saturday and Sunday. But I'll take the appetizer this weekend. Absolutely. Uh, We'll start with the Buffalo Bills going to Houston. The Texans are two-and-a-half-point favorite here. Uh, Your chance to watch Deshaun Watson this weekend. Uh, J.J. Watt is back. J.J. Watt is back. Good timing there. This is 3.35 Saturday on ABC, I believe, also being shown on ESPN, ABC and ESPN at the same time. So when I looked at these games, I feel like one of these road teams is going to win, pull off some kind of road dog upset. The Bills got some unique mojo going. Seattle's got some unique mojo going. You you know, with Marshawn Lynch coming back, obviously that 49ers game was, I mean, how close was that game last weekend, you know, to win basically the NFC West and get that first round by. I don't know who, who, who it's going to be. I might do Buffalo here. Yeah. I don't know. Something about that. That's a good defense. Uh, Deshaun Watson over the last quarter of the season has not been exactly outstanding. Up and down. Yes. Yes. Again, Bill's defense. Josh Allen makes some plays. Give me the Bills in a stunner here. Okay. Um, Well, to counter that, I'll just say I would not be stunned. I could see it happening. I like the Bills. I, They're a good team. I picked them to cover. I don't know if the Texans are that good. To be I, I, I put the Patriots on upset alert a couple weeks ago, and they you know, they didn't end up covering, but that, that game was close. The Bills yeah. had a second-half lead, so the opportunity was there. I'm going to take the Texans, though. Um, this is a team that's kind of used to playing in this spot by now. They're always playing on Saturday and wildcard weekend, it seems like, and J.J. Watt's coming back. It surprised me to see, you know, Josh Allen didn't even average 200 yards passing this year? No. Per game? I know. It's, it's you know, and he's dynamic with his legs, too, but as much as I like the Bills, I think they're a good story. I think they're doing a good job there. This is second out of, uh, two, two out of three years where they've made the playoffs. Um, I'm going to take the better quarterback and the fact that J.J. Watt's back. The Texans to win probably by a field goal, so they're just barely... Cover. I think it's going to be a good game. Good way to start the weekend, though. No, don't care. Oh, come on. Then. He said he's going to be watching. It's AFC Saturday, apparently, because the Titans play in New England in the nightcap. 7-15 Saturday on CBS. The Titans are the sixth seed getting into the playoffs. Of course, the Patriots, you talk about a stunner, losing to the Dolphins at home last weekend. That was bizarre. And now they got to play this weekend. They are five point home favorite against the Titans. So this is the first time, correct me if I'm wrong, my podcast partner, that the Patriots are not a one or two seed for the first time in the decade. Is that correct? Other than one other time where they weren't. Either way, but still, you might be right. Immensely impressive. 
It is surprising to see them playing on Saturday of a wild card weekend. Yes, yes, yes. Not a typical thing for the Patriots. Um, they're going to win here handedly. I like the Titans. Ryan Tannehill's had some magic. The Patriots do have concerns, but like, how do you pick against them? Like, I even like them covering and winning by like a touchdown in this because that's what the Patriots do. Again, a lot of good things to feel right about in terms of what the Titans accomplished this year. Ryan Tannehill, especially. Give me the Pats. I'll cover two. Uh, something's wrong with the Patriots, though. But not wrong enough to pick them against the Titans, right? <sighs> Probably not. Look, the, the signs have been there all season with the Patriots. Like, Tom Brady hasn't been the same. That offense has problems. I like what the Titans have done. Let's not forget which team. No, it was a different coach. But which team went into Kansas City, beat the Chiefs in Matt Nagy's last game there? In this game, it was Saturday night of Wild Card Weekend. On the road. It was the Titans a couple years ago. Some of those players are still around. Also, my biggest fantasy football blunder of the season was going into the playoffs and choosing to pick up the the that young wide receiver on the Giants, I'm forgetting his name now, instead of A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown has been tearing it up for the Titans. Give me a star. The last few weeks. He's a star. And I could have kept him for next season, but I didn't pick him up. Major screw-up by me. Just bad. Uh, A.J. Brown's great. But I'm going to go. I'm ultimately going to go with you on this. It's kind of like the Bills playing in New England a couple weeks ago. Like, good story. They got a lot of good things going for them. But it's a big, that was a big game. That was to decide the division. And the Patriots stepped up in the second half and won. Not only won the game, but covered in a game they were losing in the second half. So I could see this game playing out similarly. I could see this being tight at halftime. Maybe the Titans have a lead in third quarter. But, yeah, how do you pick against the Patriots on the road? So I will also take Tom Brady here. It's five. Yeah, I'll, I'll even take him to cover. Hello, everyone. This is Al Riveron. See how involved Al is this weekend. Oh, in this game. As we move to Sunday. Yeah. yeah. In this game. Yeah. In this game. You know who the referee is, too? In this game, oh. in New Orleans, Carl Sheffers. It wasn't really his fault. They, the officials on the field called it correctly. Right. We're talking about the Zach Miller play in New Orleans. Yes. All right. The Vikings end up with the sixth seed after losing their final two games of the season, one of which they were trying and the other one they weren't. They go to New Orleans. This ended up being kind of a bad draw for the Vikings, having to go to New Orleans the first week, and this will be your noon game Sunday on Fox. Saints are a seven-and-a-half-point favorite, the biggest of the weekend. I just don't think... Look, they rested. The Vikings rested the Alvin Cook purposely so he's ready for, for this game, whoever they were playing. I'm sure he'll be fast. I'm sure he'll be strong in the Dome. They're playing the Dome themselves. I just don't think... The Vikings, I don't think they could keep up. Saints are just too complete. I like them winning by more than a touchdown. You can lock them up. Locking up the Saints. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. I've thought long and hard about this game. There's going to be no miracles in this one. Yeah. Minneapolis miracle. The history between these two teams is kind of interesting because of that play. I like the Vikings. They're getting healthier. Eric Kendricks practiced today. Um, Dalvin Cook's back. Alexander Madison's back. Still, though, 
do you trust Kirk Cousins on the road in a big game? It's going to be loud. I would not feel comfortable in locking it up the way you did because I think the Vikings are going to keep this and be. it's going to be a good game. I have the Saints winning, but I do have the – I'm going to take the Vikings especially because there's the hook on it at 7.5. But I do have the Saints winning. So that's three home teams so far that we've agreed on. No, no, we didn't. You I picked p- the Bills. I picked the Bills. Yeah, you're probably gonna be right on it. one of the the home teams aren't all gonna win. So we go to the final game. That's not cliche talk. That's real talk. The Seahawks ending up with the five seed. Big loss for them against the 49ers. They lose the division. They end up having to go on the road here, but it is against the Eagles, which is the lowest of the you know the home teams this weekend. The Eagles are a home dog. One and a half. 3.40 Sunday on NBC. How impressive has Carson Wentz been down the stretch? He's been good. Throwing to guys many people have never even heard of. Yep. They got that Boston guy at running back. That Boston, Greg, that Boston guy running back. Greg Ward. That model. Greg Ward, the former Houston quarterback, is yeah. playing wide receiver. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. These Both of these teams are banged yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. I, I already had my... Road, well, I guess the Seahawks are on a road dog. I, I had my road a win here already with the Bills. So I'm going to go with the Eagles because I, I, I just, you know, you, you want to pick the hosts in some of these. The Eagles, they just find ways to win. Yeah. Just just like, you know, having Cody Park, you miss a field goal. They got some good mojo. I don't know how long it's going to last in the playoffs, but they could get through the wild card round again. Absolutely they can. Eagles. So we're going to end up agreeing on this. Okay. I like the Eagles this weekend. Most people like the Seahawks. I got these are two teams that are banged up. I don't like where the Seahawks have been the last month. Talk about something just being wrong. They're not the same team they were earlier. I certainly love Russell Wilson in a big spot like this. And I will say the Brandon Brooks injury is huge. That guard, I mean, he's he's probably the best guard in the league. Yeah. Right now. And yeah. and he get, well, I don't know about that. Quentin Nelson's pretty good. Yeah. But he's one of the best guards yeah. in the league. And he's out. Just got put on IR. Out for the playoffs. But Carson Wentz, these teams these teams met in November. They play each other in Philly. Seahaw- the Seahawks won. But I feel like since that game, these teams have actually been going in opposite directions. Yeah. Just slightly. Just slightly enough where in a home playoff game in Philadelphia, I like the Eagles. These guys have been there. The interesting thing is Carson Wentz hasn't. Because it's been the Nick Foles yeah, show the yeah, last two yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. So that's interesting. But the rest of these guys on this team have been there. I like the Eagles, especially being the underdog at home. So I'm taking Philly. Now, Russell Wilson's exciting. He always just finds a way to keep you in games. Mm-hmm. Keep giving opportunities. He'll keep that game close. And more often than not, he will beat you. But I feel like Carson Wentz can play with him. I know there are some doubts early on about him early in the season. I think he's erased a lot of those doubts. He's been great. Especially with the Eagles getting in the playoffs now. A lot of good vibes, a lot of confidence right there. Doug Peterson just gets things right in the playoffs sometimes. Mm-hmm. Give me the Eagles. Give me Carson Wentz over Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. Well, it should be fun to watch. I'm looking forward to watching these games this weekend. And you can follow us on Twitter as we're watching them. I'll probably be tweeting. I, I don't probably know if you, you probably won't be. No. You won't be. No. Uh, probably not. Yeah. Uh, probably not. That's yes, fine. you got that right, Vic. And you're right. You know, Russell Wilson, if you give him a chance, if you just give he's him an a, outstanding player. If you give him one more second in the Rose Bowl, he, you know, you never know <laughs> what would happen. Just one more second. Uh, still stings, huh? Yeah. 
That was the one that Kristen and I were at. It was a fun game. Yeah. That's actually one of those games where even though Wisconsin lost, I left that stadium being like, man, that was really fun. That was just an up and down fun yeah, game. Yeah, the, the angst and the pain came later, I see. Yeah. Then we found out my wife had pneumonia. Oh. Yeah. Which was interesting. The whole day. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you go to a Rose Bowl. You man up <laughs> and you get through to the Rose Bowl with pneumonia. <sighs> no. Yeah, probably not a good idea. All right. We should get out of here. Good stuff, though. Good way to recap. Recap a busy week. More news will be coming. We'll have more. We'll be here. It's it's inevitable. All right. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. As news breaks, we'll have it for you there. And you can also read us at WGNRadio.com slash Bears, The Athletic, The Athletic app. That's where you can still be listening to our midweek podcasts. I think we'll have one next week, maybe. Yeah. yeah. So you're getting us twice a week, which you never used to have in the offseason. So it is fully a bonus episode. Now it is. Some people have argued with that on, on that one. But now it truly is. It really is, truly. Um, so probably Tuesday or so. Things get a little fluid in the offseason. That's fine. What am I else am I forgetting? Rate and review the pod if you enjoyed it all season. Please leave us a yeah, review. Thanks for listening all year. We appreciate you doing that. Hopefully everyone had a happy new year, happy and safe new year. And here's to more fun in 2020. I forgot to mention that pod we did the other day was episode 300. This yeah. was, this was 301. Wow. We should have had a bigger celebration. Yeah. Oh, we got time. 400. No. Get out of here, Mike. We're getting to 400. I guarantee it. All right. Talk to you next week. See ya. I'd like to see him get his hands on more balls.